This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Issa Allen of Social Age Counseling. Tell us why mental health is so important, especially to you entrepreneurs during this COVID time who have been able to keep your jobs, actually make more money, and you know, you're buying things, investing to your mental health is key. So Issa, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. And I just want to like, during COVID, this whole pandemic, some say pandemic because they don't believe in science. Um, what are you seeing, especially with entrepreneurs or, you know, CEOs, ex- high end executives, especially because sometimes it's lonely at the top? It is. Um, as far as the like the working area, I'm seeing a lot of people who were at the top already um, losing a lot of their money and not learning how to cope and kind of like dealing with that loss, so to speak. Yes, they're gaining that that government funding, so to speak. But as far as losing the jobs, losing the the income from people spending money, and, and then there's a flip to on the flip side where people who never had jobs before creating jobs and making a lot of money out of it out of this pandemic, you know. So it's a good a good a bad thing for however you look at it, so to speak. Have you seen an uptick in business because a lot of folks are, you know, not able to socialize like they once have and maybe driving themselves crazy? I do. I do. There has been an increase. Um, I work primarily with, not primarily, but I have a lot of um, children that I work with, um, middle school age children, and I have a lot of adults um, clientele. Um, The increase in depression, anxiety, PTSD, and, and, and many other things has increased since the pandemic. Definitely. Is that because people, you know, didn't know themselves and now they're actually having to sit, think they can't have a distraction. Maybe they, some folks have lost their job and they're like, what do I do next to pay these bills? Um, I mean, is this, is this a normal thing? And, you know, I'm thinking maybe social media has something to, to do with, with this or, I don't know. Give, give us the game. Like, why is that? What is clicking in our brains to make us go, you know, a little weird? I think social media is a whole different beast on its own. So I'm not going to blame the pandemic social media. Social media is like a beast that's, that can be, we can speak all night about it as far as mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as people, the increase in depression and anxiety saying earlier, um, I think that a lot of people take mental health, the stigma on mental health is huge still, especially in our communities. And that's one thing that I try to do. And I have, so I have a nonprofit too that promotes and educate people on mental health, because what a lot of people don't understand is that mental health is not just something that you should kind of seek professional help when you are down. You know, when those warning signs are out, when you're feeling stressed out, when it's just too much for you to handle, that's when you should start seeing someone. Or you can have someone, you can have your your therapist on speed dial for life, for any 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 stressors in life, so to speak. But I think that the the fact that we don't consider um, our brain so much as we consider our health as in a physical form, it's something that kind of deters people from getting the proper coping skills that they need to deal with stressors in life. 
you know, we get sick with a cold, we get sick with cold, we get sick with anything, we go to a doctor, we get taken care of, and then, you know, that's our go-to. But then we deal with stress, we deal with life events, deaths in the family, you know, some type of traumatic events, and then we don't see someone properly to help us cope, um, process it, heal, and then grow from it, you know? So I think the stigma holds us back a lot. And if we just can normalize mental health in a sense that it's just, it's, it's a wellness overall for we are. If we don't take care of our mind, our body will shut down. It will follow, you know? So just normalizing mental health and just making it a, a, a normal thing to do. I mean, we all have a brain. We all have a mind, right? You've seen a therapist. And like we said earlier, we all have a story too. So not knowing you know, your story, you don't have to broadcast your, your hardship and your story from wherever it is, but you definitely should take time out to making sure that you're good internally, right? You don't want to be just dope on the outside, so to speak. You want to be dope on the inside. Definitely. What are some, you know, signs that someone may need to seek help? Because, you know, a lot of times, especially in the black community, folks will say, oh, you're so crazy. But sometimes folks really are loco and la cabeta. And so what are the signs where someone should say, I need help? Because they'll say, well, is it normal that I would ever think about harming myself? And there's a difference between thinking it and then preparing and then like just, you know, staying on that on and on to one day you actually do like cut yourself and it feels good. So what are the signs before the cutting that you would recommend? Coping skills, learning different coping skills to handle your emotional portion, self-regulation, learning how to deal with our emotions. Sometimes we don't like to deal with our emotions and depending on your personality, You'll suppress it. You'll avoid it. You'll, um, it's just depending on your personality, on how you react to things. So at bare minimum, learning how you cope with every emotion of yourself. So when you're sad or you're mad, what is it that you do to, um, so knowing how to deal with your own emotions, learning how to deal with you. So if you're mad and you're always, um, you know, throwing something, hitting something, hitting someone, you know, in a negative sense, learning that self-regulation technique, learning how to cope with your own self, your emotions. When you're sad, do you just kind of stay in bed all day or do you give yourself a little time to kind of regroup and then get back up and get back to it, you know? So that self-actualization, um, so to speak, is very key in knowing who you are and how to move when you're feeling these different emotions because life will hit you at any end you know there's no kind of planned schedule to life so just always being prepared and mentally prepared so to speak you can deal with life a little bit easier versus not being prepared at all and then just now going chaotic when something happens so your company Social age counseling. Yes. You help with the ADHD, the anxiety, the stress. Can you talk about, you know, some of the methods uh, that you have? Because I know there's been times where I've reached out to a mental health provider and I, you know, this person, um, might've been a medical doctor, PhD. I can't, can't remember. And when we get on there, they're like, okay, you tell them about your, your, your life. And then they're like, well, 
what are you here for? I was like, well, I'm just here. You know, my wife made me come <laughs> and, and I'm trying to keep peace at home. And, and that's a real story, folks. And they're like, well, I can't give you any medication. And I said, I didn't come for any medication. You know, I came to try this out and I've, I've done it, um, you know, before and talk to you, you people with always someone, but I just here to, you know, say, Hey, this is why I'm here. So I think a lot of black men, especially would be like, hold on. I don't want to go to someone just trying to put me on drugs. And I know that's not what social age counseling is about. So what's your, your, your method? Can people really like talk to you and figure out, talk their problems out um, in with you? So I, I don't even do medication management at my, my facility. I actually refer out to a psychiatrist. I'm more of a psychotherapy, meaning that whatever traits that you've developed, whatever core values you develop in your own self, um, if it's, generating a negative behavior out of you, then what I am here to do is to help you through different therapeutic approaches like CBT or DBT to help you understanding. You, you have to identify that there is an issue first. So you come in and, and because wife sent you or whomever sent you, um, you know, you're going to be against it from jump. You're not going to, now you're not even going to want to do it. You know, so everything I'm saying is going to be gibberish to you because you don't even want to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, and it's serious. It's true. So you have to like sit down with the person and be like, you know what, like, let's just eliminate everybody else who kind of brought you here. What do you feel about yourself? You know, what areas can you improve on? And, you know, start from there and just hearing their stories will help me to understand where to take, where to help them get to where they're trying to go to. Cause I have to meet them where they're at. You know what I'm saying? And I can't like, I'm not, I'm here for you, the client and every client is different. And, and, you know, let me give the full story because I could hear my wife saying you didn't tell the full story. <laughs> um, and so the full the full and I can only tell my part is I used to be in mental health and I think that, you know, counseling is great, but I've been called the master manipulator and you know exactly what to say to somebody. And so, you know, to be open and I have a great circle around me of people. And I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm always going through therapy, but a lot of times people are coming to me because it's my job to make, fix problems. So do you find folks like me who might have a background in counseling, even at a small level, are some of the hardest people or maybe physicians are the, some of the hardest people to counsel? So if I'm, if my client was a therapist, would it be hard to counsel them? Yeah. It would be if they're already if they're already set on their own ways of thinking and learning, if they don't come in with an open attitude as if they're taking So I like to say that I wear many hats in life, right? And I know which one to kind of juggle when. And if you're not coming into that office as a client, as a human being, as a client, ready to receive the information that's given versus, you know, dependent on what you know, you've stated about yourself, and you're not ready to receive that, then you're going to be against odds on your own self. If you're coming in there to kind of make sure the other therapist knows the is on their A game and, you know, you're already coming in with a bad mojo and it's like, no, it's not going to work, you know, but it's all dependent on you and your attitude. Attitude is everything, you know, and how you view things. And I love speaking about me because I come in, I'm the one, hey, put me on that big couch. I actually bought one of those old school type of therapy couches. Let me just lay out. Let me tell you my problems. And I remember that he kind of like, 
you know, hurt my feelings. I'm like, here I am telling you everything. And you're saying, I got to refer you out because I want to give you drugs. And I'm like, ah, so, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I can now tell people social age counseling won't do that to you. They won't push drugs on you because I, I kind of. Yeah, I ran that guy's name through the, the mud and I didn't want to do that to my Haitian brother, but I don't need drugs because I've given the drugs and I've had to give like lithium to five year olds in psych hospitals. And I'm like, this isn't right. He just needs a beating. But he had too many of those in life. <laughs> but, you know, on that same topic, I don't want to be I don't want to seem like I'm anti-drug because sometimes medication does work for Again, every client is different. The individual client is different. And depending on how severe your case is, or if it's biological, or if it's, if it's, if it's a disorder that is, um, again, on a high spectrum, you know, that may change the chemical imbalances in your brain, so to speak, or if you're stressed out too much and you're depressed. So you, now you may need something to stabilize yourself so that you can be at a point to where you can do the therapeutic work. Because at some point, you sometimes you don't even know when you get into a depression. You're so far gone that you've actually altered the again the chemicals in your brain. So now you're at, you're you're just different. You don't do the things you want to do. You're not interested in anything. You're just kind of like isolated. You think bad thoughts and sometimes even suicidal thoughts. Um, you think about death. You're you're just in a different mode in space. You asked earlier, how does one know when they're you know need help or to that point to where they need professional help? You know you you know when you're not behaving the same ways that you used to behave, and your personality is different. And at first, it might be denial where you don't want to agree to it. And then sometimes we don't like to say, hey, you know what, I'll deal with it or it'll bypass or I'll get over it or we'll go take a remedy, whatever it may be, and think it'll just be okay. Sometimes, no. Sometimes you do need that extra step. Medication sometimes in conjunction with uh, psychotherapy is the best approach for cases that are on the high end spectrum, so to speak. But sometimes it is doable with just psychotherapy. And, you know, a lot of that comes from just the upbringing, the, the old school upbringing. If you guys were ever around in the 80s, I know my mother would be like, wait, you think that boy needs medication? He just needs a beating. I and yeah. And then my the old fashioned asshole. <laughs> yes. Where everybody could give it to you. Aunties, uncles, tios, tias, abuela. Everybody could give it to you. And I know my mother didn't take any drugs until um, she had her last battle with cancer because she called me and was like, what is this supposed to feel like? And my wife is over there laughing like, ask Kellen. He would know I've never taken anything. And I'm like, hey, me. <laughs> so, um, you know, dr drugs and even therapy, bad words, because it's like, I'm not crazy. I have crazy folks that I know who need the medication, they won't take it. But you know why a lot of people won't take it? Some folks don't want to lose their gun rights. Huh? You know, they don't want to, they don't want to ever have it documented that they were going through any type of depression or anything because they're like, hold on, when I have to check that for my, you know, my gun certificate, my CCW, I don't want to lose that. And, and, you know, I might check it when I'm, going for my edibles but for my gun rights no 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 so it how safe and confidential are things when do you as a professional have to report it when a client is depressed 
Um, I have to report once they are displaying or stating harm to themselves or someone else, whether it be um, in, in a suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation. And I, I disclose that to them in every session or at the beginning of the sessions. Okay. And, and yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, so that could be so just kind of, um, up to whichever therapist you're out there, are are there any real safe zones? Because I, I had a guest on today who said, you know, it's kind of normal to have uh, serial killer thoughts. I said, mm-hmm. hmm, <clears throat> okay, I'm listening. Tell us more. And, you know, as, as, as a journalist, I'm just here to get a story. But as a therapist, you might have to say, oh, you think that's normal? When was the last time you had that thought? You know, um, do you plan on having that, you know, mm-hmm. acting out and now that person loses their gun rights and they're they're really mad because without their gun, what can they do? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. so so I mean, what, what's your I'm trying to get your thoughts for gun owners who might be depressed? Uh, and- I'm going to speak from the therapist hat right now. And I'm going to say, you know, you got to weigh out the priority here. What's the priority? Is it your is it your well-being or is it just ownership of the guns? You know what I'm saying? And if you're not in a right state of mind, you shouldn't be carrying guns now because then, you know, if something happens later on or if you, you're not on, let's say you, you're supposed to be taking medication and you're not on the proper meds and now you slip into an episode and you go out and you, um, it's many People send me videos of just people just acting out, right? And then we just want to blame people for just, well, no. It's stories like this that we, we say, you know what? You should have been taking, your priority should have been your mental health first. Your priority should have been your health. You getting right with yourself first and foremost. And then now looking into the ownership of what, you know, your external, whatever you want to have, you know, whether it be guns, knives, whatever. Okay. But, you know, I'm speaking from a mental health professional standpoint your mind is everything it really is it determines your mood it determines you know what you think which how you act you how you react and if you're not in the right state of mind right it's not going to be productive to you or anyone else but more importantly if you keep continuously be in that state of mind and don't get help it's going to progress into something worse you know Mm. so um the guns to me is not the priority at that moment. Well, that means you're not a Trump supporter. So, yeah, if you, if you were, you would have to have your rifle and uh, be ready to storm the Capitol if you thought anybody was going to take one of them uh, from you. Uh, I, I don't get it, but I just know there's a population out there that, you know, is all about their guns. I've gone to churches where they have gun clubs and, you know, they go shooting and, you know, they justify it with scripture so i I just um just like to you know hear that from the professionals uh side with you know your counseling is it something that folks should do you know quarterly like could some people come in quarterly and just check in could some people just need to come every monday like how does it work because i know your schedule is full so many people get discouraged discouraged because they're like i can't even find a counselor especially one that looks like you one that looks like me and you know this other counselor may think i'm crazy because i said hey my mother beat me (laughs) in church you know growing up so you know 
how often do you think people should come in? Well, twofold. I want to pride myself on the portion that I, my company was designed for people in the minority community, so to speak, because culture is everything, right? And, and how you were raised is it, it's maybe different from um, different cultures. So to not understand the background or um, the technical side of things, you're just coming in from a different perspective and you're judging that person on a basis that you just may not understand, so to speak, right? So how many sessions does a person need? It's all dependent on the individual. And again, how severe their case is. If let's say they're going through the death of a child, right? And um, they're needing counseling, grief counseling to help them to get back on track, you know? Um, that I would totally recommend between one and two times a week until they feel like they have some type of um, gaining some control over their life again. Because sometimes you do slip into a depression and you develop anxiety and you just, you know, just depending on how the situation happened with the child, if it was, you know, it's just all dependent on the individual. But like you said, you can come in for checkups quarterly and just, or, or if something, if you came in for a certain situation and then you've um, got to a point to where you've met your treatment goal and you're better and you go back into the world without being, you know, treated from a therapist, but then something else happens and you just come back to that therapist and then again, attack that situation and develop a new treatment goal. And then you work on that until again, you feel like you've made some progress enough to where you can again, close out that case. And so life, it, everyone's different. Okay. Now with the success that your company is having, can you tell us about a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? I am doing, I actually created this maybe before the actual company. So I have a nonprofit called Mind Over You. And Mind Over You is a nonprofit 501c company that I um, have free aftercare for children in the Title I schools, which is just more of the lower income schools. So we give free um, aftercare one day a week in, in the schools. And in the aftercare program, we teach them different skill, life skills. We don't try to gear it so much as to mental health because the kids, still, that stigma is still high, but we still gear it around life skills, teaching them self-esteem um, mechanism, um, self-love, self-worth. Um, we just try to establish a lot of um, individuality individualism into these children and letting them understand who they are at the time that they're growing in the middle school is a hard age for them they're learning who they are their peers the world is a different era nowadays so just teaching them how to be um loving themselves and being firm in who they are and and and, and having that self-worth so to speak and I'm learning how to control their anger and how to control if they are going through something, depression, anxiety. These children sometimes go through a lot of killing and shootings in their own neighborhood. So and to them, it's normal, but you know, to their mind, it's not normal. And children should be going through those things. But you know, everyone's card is different. So I just try to give them coping skills and tools to kind of keep in what I call, I like to call an imaginary backpack for them so that they can um, be more equipped to handle life, so to speak. And then I also do... Um, mental health forms in the city of Riviera Beach to just educate um, the community of mental health and try to break that stigma with Councilman Lawson. So 
some. Okay. And how do you feel the uh, local government and even the state has, you know, have they provided a funds, enough funds in the RFP process, you know, to be able to allow you to grow this? Because, I mean, there's such a need as you talk about aftercare. I mean, so many kids are like latchkey kids because parents are working, you know, if they have two parents, they're working. And I also know you have connected um, with the Hope Dealers. We've had Ricky Aiken on here before, uh, before moving it. Yeah. And, and so are they providing enough? Because enough is never enough. Let's just throw that out there. But sometimes governments wait for, you know, the murder rate to be sky high and hit a new record before they say we got to do something different. The old ways aren't working. So I'm going to be honest and say, no, I haven't received um, a tremendous outpour of support from everyone. Like I said, I, I am working with Councilman Lawson and he has been from day one on board with the initiative to provide mental health education. Um, I think when you, when, when people still hear that mental health portion, it's still this huge stigma that, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, it's, it's not something that um, unless it's specified and, and, and carved out to say, OK, well, let's just help out boys and getting them off the street and or let's just help out girls and, and being specific to a certain. I don't know, topic, so to speak, to me, they get more of the attention and funding funding, so to speak. But when you talk about mental health in general, it's still not something I don't feel that's supported enough because all these little boys that we're trying to help out that's to stay off the street, we have to teach them, we have to teach them mentally. You know, we have to go back into their upbringing. You know, we can't just say, hey, stay off the street and then give them a little, I don't know, a piece of bread here and then don't think that tomorrow you're not going to go back. You know what I'm saying? It has to be a whole mindset change. It has to be a whole lifestyle change to like, introduce them to these children, giving them more opportunities and giving them more, um, like taking them out the city, taking them out, letting them see more and do more. You know, once you, once you train your mind to knowing that there's so much more in this world out there, you, you, you try, you kind of move different to want more and want different, you know, you but do you find your hands are ever tied? I've worked with youth in four or five different states with, with programs. And a lot of times the folks who want to do the work are the superheroes, but the folks they have to get the funding from tie their hands. Like you said, hey, focus on the boys, focus on the girls, focus on this neighborhood and don't even think about grabbing a kid from that neighborhood because those are so-and-so's kids. It's almost like the drug game. Everything's political and everybody's doing things to make themselves look good. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm just speaking the truth. I don't, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but it's like, you know, if, if, if me pouring out money from whatever funding I can to this agency um, makes sense to aligning with who I am or what I'm going for, then that works. But if it doesn't align with me, then it doesn't work despite the good in the, the, the nonprofit, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's exactly what you said. It's just like your, your hands are tied when you, when you're asking for funding um, for something for your own community, 
You know what I'm saying? If a community is, has been a certain way for years and we're trying to get it to develop and, and, and in a sense to where we always try to talk bad about a certain community, but then you don't pour into the people. You know what I'm saying? And you pour into everything else and then it attracts other people. So like, who are you helping in essence? Well, in some organizations in certain states, Florida is not one of them. Um, the people who are helping will tell the folks, if you don't give us this money, it's going to be a hot summer. So we need this money so your kids can be safe while they're walking downtown. And I've seen politicians react differently when they hear that, because if you don't have activities like yours for the youth, you're going to have kids do what kids do. They're going to, you know, do the crazy stuff you see on TikTok or what you see on the news. But kids really uh, what I have found, if you can take that negative and give it a positive, they want to do something positive. 100%. I, and, and you made a good point, too, as to what kids will do what they do. But kids will do what they do when they have the resources. If they don't have the resources, they're going to find, you know, more nine times out of ten the negative things to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of people like to jump on this mental health train after the fact. So after the fact that, you know, we see kids suicide or we keep whatever it may be after the fact, oh yeah, let's develop a mental health program. When mental health is, is, is with children is nine times out of 10, the intervention portion or the prevention portion to prevent them from doing things or the intervention for them, not letting them go straight, you know, but you wait till it's too late. And then now you want to kind of like, again, do damage control when you could have intervened at a much earlier state to have a more success rate in, you know, our kids' whereabouts and what they're doing. And it's, 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 it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. But if politicians are listening or if I'm playing this for you while I'm in the office, this is what we're talking about. I'm not the only one. I know I might be a little in a different dimension, maybe a little off to some of y'all, but I'm not pretending I am who I am and I am whoever you think I am now talk about candid talks with E Ooh. candid talks with E is something that I wanted to just bring that awareness through social media and you know on social media like we said earlier you know it has all this goods, bad, so whatever. But a lot of people like to come on and just kind of portray what they feel like they want to portray in the world. It's always the glory, good side of it, right? But no one talks about the bad or the negative or the hardships that you have to go through, right? And it's almost as if maybe we were ashamed or whatever it may be. So I'm just using social media as a platform to kind of discuss depression, discuss anxiety, but in a realistic sense, on a daily, daily basis as to what we go through, what I go through, what anybody goes through, we're all human, you know, no one's kind of exempt from this thing called life. So the more other people can see that and, and, and join in on a conversation with it and, and start, it starts with a conversation, you know, so to break that stigma, I'm just trying to use social media to, um, bring awareness to more people and open the eyes. I sometimes try to bring on people who just want to tell their stories or a celebrity here to say, Hey, you know what? I support this. Um, but just try to mix it up. You know, do you find it difficult to kind of play the balance because with the candid conversations and you're going into the deep, but also as a business owner, if one of your 
clients see this and say, oh, I didn't know she had that view. She sounds just as local as me. Um, do, you, do you find that balance difficult or is it more of them just telling their story and you listening like Larry King? I have a problem being myself at all. And I say that really of my great qualities. I, who you see right now is who you'll see in front of your face. And and, and of course, in, in, a, in front of a client, I'm more professional, but I also give off that human vibe. You know what I'm saying? I do not come to you textbook. I come to you from life experiences. I come to you from hearing your story out. And again, meeting you where you are and helping you to get where you need to go. So, you know, I've never had that yet. Thank God. And I'm going to knock on something. <laughs> There's no wood around me, but I've never had, you know, a client or even someone on social media to kind of give that disclaimer as to, oh, well, you're, I don't know, on social media, I don't know what they would say, but I've never had that. In the event I do have that, then I'm, I always stay true to myself. Okay, because you have a face for TV. So it's kind of like, you know, Ayana fix my life. If you were to really wild out and, you know, and, 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 you know, let's say, I don't know if you have that piano in, in real life, but start playing the piano, then the violin when they're saying something sad and say, man, we don't want to hear that crap, you know, because it's about the ratings. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a TV guy, I'm an entertainment yeah. guy. So, yeah. so that's yeah. where my mind goes. Well, Thank I, you. Yeah, I thank you for being so candid and being so open. I don't want to give the people a game overload, but I do want them to check out your website. You guys, whether you're listening or the few of you, hopefully more that will watch, um, yeah. you hear this, you click the link in the description box and, you know, get help if you need help. I'm sure you have, you know, virtual um, during this whole COVID thing, virtual sessions for those who need it and maybe can't get to your office, correct? I, I, I think I've converted to 100% virtual now. Um, excuse me, beside the children that I'm seeing at school, that I'm servicing at schools. Um, everything after that is 100% virtual. Awesome, awesome. Well, you guys have got the game. Make sure you like and share this for someone who needs it too. You guys be blessed. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.